one day that vent's going to get me. I'm going to fall on my face and y'all are going to laugh and laugh. Don't worry if I'm okay, you're just going to laugh, aren't you? <laughs> uh, no, good to see everyone this morning. Hope that you're doing well. Hope that, uh, as always, you made the decision to come out and worship God and the things that we talk about. We pray that will be the things that we need to hear. Uh, our, our prayers do go out to John. I know he's uh, recovering. He said they, they beat him pretty good getting his hip back in. and uh, I'd say he's sore and going to be sore for, for a while. So we hope that he recovers and hope that they can do something to keep that from, from happening again. I think that's about the third time, I think, or something that that's happened, I believe. I can't remember. Fourth time? Third sound better. <laughs> Fourth sound pretty rough. Uh, I knew he did text me one morning and asked me if I could teach for him. I said I would, then he take, uh, text me back about 15 minutes later, and he said, never mind, something popped. I can feel my legs now. I'm fine. So, <laughs> so it, it can happen in just an instant. So uh, uh, we do uh, wish him well and hope everything goes well with him. But I always see that my purpose is to uh, remind you of how good a preacher John is and, and be glad when he's back when you see me up here. So that's, that's my purpose. Um, this morning, I want us to look at and think about, you know, as read just a few moments ago, you know, Jesus said, those who hear my voice are of the truth, and Pilate asked him, what is truth? And when you think about that statement, we don't usually think of truth as being flexible. We don't think of truth as being something that should be under discussion, uh, trying to determine it. Uh, truth is something that doesn't change, or it should be something that doesn't change. Uh, and truth can't be altered or it can't be amended. Truth, by its very nature, is constant. It's reliable. It's, it's, uh, it, it doesn't change. Uh, it's been said that Margaret Thatcher one time remarked to a reporter that was badgering her. She said, of course it's the same story. The truth is always the same story. And I thought about that, you know, uh, sometimes people get tired of hearing the truth, but the truth doesn't change. doesn't matter if we want it to or not, doesn't matter if we try to make it, truth doesn't change. Now, I think a simple, uh, th th this is a simple idea, but there are people who literally work at undermining the belief of absolute truth. And you've heard me mention this several times from, from this pulpit, that you know, you hear people make the statement, it's my truth, it's my truth. And what that saying is, my truth's different than your truth, uh, so there's no absolute truth. Um, and it comes down to moral relativism. Uh, moral relativism, for those that don't know about the idea, it's the belief that truth is changeable. In other words, if it, it, it's relative to a circumstance or it's relative to a point of view or it's relative to, to what's taking place or what's happening. Um, and so if it's relative and it changes based on your point of view, we're never going to come to an agreement of what truth is. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a book that's called Inquiries in Sociology. And it declares that there are exceptions to almost all moral laws depending on the situation. What is wrong in one instance may be right in another instance. And they go on to explain this this way. You can never see a situation or something from my point of view. And I can never see a situation 
from your point of view. And since we'll never see it from each other's point of view, we're going to come to a different conclusion each time. But what I see as my point of view is my truth. What you see from your point of view is your truth. And it very well may be different. But we can have different truths because we're coming at it at different point of views. Um, now that sounds reasonable. Really. Um, you know, that sounds reasonable that I, I base things that I do and base things that I think on my point of view. And that is reasonable if it comes to opinions, isn't it? That is reasonable if it comes to a, a, a situation where I have to give my opinion on something. I'm going to give my opinion based on my point of view. You're going to give your opinion based on your point of view. So that is a reasonable statement. That is a reasonable line of thinking when it comes to opinions. But when it comes to things of a, a moral nature, when it comes to morality, does morality, what's right and wrong when it comes to morality, does that change based on each of our point of views? Well, if that's true, there's no yardstick to what is right or wrong. And that's devastating. We were talking about free will this morning, about whether God, God's foreknowledge or God predestined something and the implications of that. And a lot of times we don't realize the devastation and the havoc that that can wreak on our faith when we misunderstand that. Well, the same thing is true to this. If I don't understand that there is an absolute truth, if I don't understand that morality doesn't change based on my point of view, that can be very devastating. Not only to my faith, to the very fabric of our society that we live in. But we don't realize that that's how that takes place. But we do get to uh, a point that we see today around us and what this leads to is if morality can change based on someone's point of view, then we, we are driven toward a pole society. In other words, let's see what the majority says is right. Let's take a poll. You know, we take, people take polls on everything. You can't turn on, uh, on my radio stations in, in my vehicle. I've got probably four stations preset and all of them talk radio. So that's what I hear on the way to work and that's what I hear on the way back. And, and there's never been a morning in the last, I don't know how long, that before I get to work, I've heard some poll. They took a poll on the president's favorability. They took a poll on what people think about this. There's some poll that they quote. And, and what that tells me is, as individuals, we've gotten to a point Okay, this is right because this is what the poll says. This is right because this is what the majority says. This is what the majority has determined this situation. So this is right based on this situation because this is what the most of the people think. Now, moral relativism, it, it rejects the idea that there is an absolute truth. In fact, those who reject an absolute truth are absolutely sure that there's no absolute truth. That's really what it comes down to. Um, because they say there's no absolute truth. Because again, you can't see it from my point of view. I can't see it from your point of view. So we determine what's right based on the majority of people's point of view. Because it must be right because the majority of people see it that way. 
And that's a very dangerous place to be in. And, and there's, there's, there's some principles based on this. When it comes to relativism, there's, they say there's two sides to every question. They say that there are exceptions to almost every moral law. I want you to think about that one. And that there, uh, we have no right, no right to say that a person's activities are morally wrong. Now this, this is a biggie. We have no right, they say, or this is what relativism actually says. This is one of the principles that we have no right to say that someone's moral activity is right or wrong. Now think about that. Think about what that implies. Think about what that is saying. I can't say to anyone that the activity in which they're doing is morally wrong. They determine whether that is or not. Now, you may say, well, what does that have to do with us? Why, why, why are you telling us that? What, you know, we, we're, we're Christians. We, we, we know what God says. We know how, how does this affect us. Well, here's how this affects us. There have been surveys in the last decade or so that have found three out of four Americans believe that there are no moral absolutes. When they surveyed teenagers, this was what was interesting to me, it was the same ratio, three out of four teenagers, but then they also found that four out of five also claim that no one has a right or no one can know for certain what truth is. And you can't say for certain that someone's moral activity or their activity is morally wrong. And they asked them different questions. They asked them different questions when it came to genocide. And where individuals would try to wipe out a certain race or something of this nature. And they ask them about that activity. And they say, well, you know, that, that, that's bad to some people. But three out of four of them said, we can't say that that was morally wrong. Can you believe that? Can't say that that is morally wrong. We don't have a right. What they actually said, we don't have a right to say that that is morally wrong. Now, this may help to explain why we have, are in the situation in which we're in. That's why you hear so much about homosexuality. Because I don't have a right to tell someone that their activity is morally wrong. That's why you uh, hear so much about abortion. I don't have the right to tell someone their activity is morally wrong. I even heard someone on the radio the other day, they were playing a, a little... Uh, 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 Thing of what this individual said. They said a, a, a help for inflation is, in, is abortion. You want to help cure inflation? Go toward abortion. Can you believe someone? But I can't actually say that that statement was morally wrong, according to them. But that's where we've gotten to now. Someone can say abortion, if, if we would be for abortion and they'd be more abortion, let's just call it what it is, if we would kill more babies, then the inflation rate would be better. Can you imagine that? But that's why, that's why we're at the place that we're at now. There was a rally, when was it, Friday or Thursday, uh, in Nashville where, you know, it's come out about a uh, hospital in Nashville, Vanderbilt, how you can, uh, parents can take their children in and actually uh, stop puberty, uh, puberty, give them certain drugs, actually have surgery on them. Uh, if they're a boy, you know, we want them to be a girl. If they're a girl, we want them to be a boy. Matter of fact, the rally was called uh, Stop Child Mutilation. That's what the rally was. 
But how do we even get to a point where we're discussing parents bringing their kids in saying, you know, they're acting like a tomboy, so I, they want to be a boy. I want to turn her into a, a, a boy. Or this, this boy is acting a certain way, so I, 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 God got it wrong, so, or, it, you know, he's born wrong, let's turn him into a girl. Can you imagine that? What do you do with a girl that's in a princess dress climbing trees? I've got a granddaughter that does that. She won't be a boy or a girl. I mean, they, I mean, really, think about that. I don't understand how we get to a place like that. This is how. We get to a place like this when we start thinking that there's no absolute truth. That, that uh, morality is based on majority. What the majority of people say and think. So it must be right because the majority of people are seeing it this way. Or they try to make you believe the majority of people are doing this. They try to even manipulate that, I guess. But that's why we hear so much about this. So, so why is this? I think it's partly because of rebellion. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifice. And notice, he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Cast truth down to the ground. That, I, I think that's what individuals are doing today. I think we've, we've come to this place of rebellion where we're just casting truth down to the ground and saying, you can't even know what truth is. You know, it's like Jesus said, those who hear me, the, uh, hear me are of the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? Well, truth has been cast down to the ground today. They're, they're, it's being stomped and trampled over. In rebellion. No one wants to hear the truth. No one wants to accept the truth. They say it's, there's no such thing as truth. All there is is such thing as morality majority. Whatever the majority thinks, that's what it is. And it could be because people don't want... Uh, they want to live a certain lifestyle. And if they want to live a certain lifestyle... They accept this kind of absurdity. Look in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 28. So you shall say to them, This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Notice what it said. It says they don't want to obey the voice of the Lord, their God. They don't want to receive correction. They want to live their own lives. So if I'm living in a way that is not according to truth, is not moral. I don't want anybody to tell me it's that way. So we create this illusion that there's no truth for certain. That, that morality is based on whatever you want to do. You don't have the right to tell me my activity is morally wrong. Did you ever think we'd have these discussions like this? Did you ever think we'd get to the point where, where you actually have someone say, I tell you, a good cure for inflation, kill the babies. That, that's just absurd. I can't even fathom where that would even come. And you know what I heard in the background? Clapping. It makes no sense. But that's where we got. Because when you open the door a little, when you say this, you have to say it all. There, there's no in-between. You open the door wide open. You, you, you go from... From uh, same-sex marriage to marrying a mule or a chicken. And that sounds absurd, but there's no, there's no end to it, is there? If you can't say one's wrong, morally activity's wrong, you can't say the other's wrong. 
I mean, they're, they're really, that's, that's where it has come to. As, as silly and absurd as that sounds, people want to live a certain way. They don't want anybody to tell me that there's any other way to live except my truth and my way. And that's what it's become. And I think it's because uh, people are gullible and want to follow anything that comes along. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of the gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, notice, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, I think this is true with a lot of people. They don't want to come to a knowledge of the truth. They just want to follow along, gullible, and take whatever's coming along. Whatever fad is coming along at this particular time, then there it is. There it is. But again, that's how we got to where we are. And then I think lastly, there's a rejection of absolute truth. Um, I think that's happened because Satan is still the ruler of this world, isn't he? We, we talked about when we talked about free will with Judas, where it talked about how Satan had entered into his heart. Uh, about Ananias and Sapphira, where they held back part of it. Peter told him, you know, Satan has entered into your heart. Satan is still the ruler of this world. So if Satan is still the ruler of this world, there's going to be individuals that believe anything because that's what he wants them to believe. And that's what he wants them to think. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So if this world is, is Satan's domain, is it any wonder that so many people reject the truth, reject a moral law? Because the moral law comes from God, doesn't it? There, there is no moral law without God. So when you take God out of the equation, you reject God, you'll reject any moral law because that moral law comes from God. And that's, again, where we find ourselves. So it, it's rebellion against His authority. Now... Satan has always attempted to undermine the truth. And what I want this lesson to be about today, and I've, I've done most of it as the opening, I guess, but I want us to look at Genesis chapter 3 for just a moment. We see Satan in his best form and using three ways of attacking uh, the truth. He uses, he questions the truth, he denies the truth, and by doing that, he gets individuals to doubt God himself. And let's notice how he does that. First, he questions the truth. Um... Look in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the Satan was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Some translation has, says, Did God really say? And I, this is what he does at the very beginning. He starts questioning truth. Have you ever had anybody do that to you? They come up and they'll say, and I've had people, do you really believe you have to be immersed in water to be saved? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe God said that? Do you really believe God said that you've got to worship this way? Do you really believe that God said not to use mechanical instruments and music? Do you really believe? And they start trying to get you to question what truth is. And that's what they are implying by the question, do you really think? That's what Satan's doing here. Did God indeed say, did he really say that? They knew what he said. They took what he said as absolute truth when he said it. 
That's what they took it as. Then Satan kind of creeps in there and he says, Did he really say that? Hmm. Did he say that? They get, him, get us questioning it. That's what we see around in our world today. We, we take something as absolute truth, then we find ourselves in situations and circumstances that doesn't determine what truth is, but we find ourselves in situations and it causes us to question that truth. Or they want us to question that truth based on the situation that we're in. Based on the situation that we're in. Again, he used the word indeed. He, he, he's trying to ambush them and and get them to, or get Eve at this point, to question exactly what God said. He did the same thing with Jesus. If you are truly the Son of God, do this. In other words, are, did, did God really say this? Are you really God? Are you this? And Jesus went to him every time with Scripture, didn't he? It is written, it is written, it is written every single time. That's what we have to do. We have to stay true to Scripture. John 17 and 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So if His Word is truth, and we want to stay with that absolute truth, when individuals try to get us to question what that truth is, stay with that truth, which is God's Word. Because when we depart from that, we depart from the truth. It gets us questioning it. God said this. They took it as absolute truth until Satan tried to get them to question it. And that's what he tries to do today. Remember, his first strategy was... His strategy here was to get them to question it. Second one was to get them to deny the truth. Genesis 3 and verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. So he said, Did God really say that? And she said, This is what God said. God said this. And he said, But you will not surely die. So not only did he get her to question it now, now he's outright getting her to deny the truth. God didn't really say that. You ever had anybody say that to you? God didn't say that. I've said that to individuals. They'll say, well, you know the Bible says this. I say, no, it don't. <laughs> it doesn't say that. But I've had people turn around and, and try to say, well, uh, God didn't say this or God didn't say that. Yeah, he did. Right, right here it is. Just because you don't want to accept it, just because you don't want to follow it, doesn't mean he didn't say it. And here he said it, and again, they took that as truth. When God said it, they took it as truth. They didn't question it until Satan got them to question it. And now he's getting them to deny it. And that's what happens today. Uh, majority morality so often is used to uh, defeat what is actually true. And here's how it happens. You, you can take truth, but if you get enough people to believe something different than that truth, then that truth becomes to no avail. Doesn't it? When you get the majority believing something different, then the truth doesn't matter even though it's the truth. So I heard the story one time of this preacher. He was part of this business, and, and, and part of this business they had a board meeting. They were in this board meeting, and the board had decided in this particular business they were going to go a certain route and do certain things. And the preacher said, you know, that's, that's not ethical. I'm, I'm not doing that. And they said, well, we're, we're going to take a vote on it. So they took a vote on it. Twelve to one, preacher lost. They said, we're going to do this because you were the only negative vote. 
So he starts praying, and he starts praying out loud there at the table. You know, God, you, you've got to tell them that I'm right. You've got to tell them that I'm right. And at that time, this just everything went dark, and, and just everything shook. There never been an earthquake around there, but the windows are shaking, the, the table's shaking, the, everything, the floor underneath them, everything just going, and they, you know, it knocks them down to the floor, and, and then it kind of quits, and they get back up, and they get in their chairs, and they said... Well, I don't, I don't know about this, but that, that, that's, that's not enough to change our mind. So he starts praying again. God, you've got to tell them that I'm right. You've got to tell them that I'm right. About that time, lightning shoots through the window. It splits the table in half, and you hear a voice, he's right. So they get up off the floor. Their hair's all fried and everything from the lightning, and they look at him and said, God may be on your side, but you still lose 12 to 2. Didn't matter. Majority still ruled. Didn't matter if it was right. Didn't matter if God thought it was right. Still true. And, and I know that's a kind of a funny, weird story. But, but put this in reality. It doesn't matter what God says to a lot of people because the majority believes something different and they're going to follow something different. They're going to do something different. The broad gate, the wide path, the broad gate leads to destruction. The narrow path... The narrow gate leads to life everlasting. That's the truth. This is the lie, and many's going to believe the lie. Many's going to believe what they want to believe, and they're going to go to destruction. That's the way it works. It's majority morality. If everybody believes it, if most of the people believe it, then it's got to be true no matter what the truth is. So Satan got them to believe that, one, start questioning what God said, but now deny Denying what God said. Even though they knew what he said. Even though they took it as truth. Until they started talking to Satan. See now it's hitting home to them. A lot of people believe the truth until it hits home to them. Until it's something. I've even talked with faithful individuals. And they believe certain ways. Until something happened in their family. Now they believe it differently because it happened in their family. Or it happened to some friend of theirs. Now they have to believe it different because emotions are involved. Feelings are involved. Majority is involved. Well, that's, that's what everybody else is doing. So it must be right. So when we see here, we've got to understand that the Bible tells us over and over again, there's things that seem right to us, but it's still wrong. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, there's a way that seems right to men, but the end is the way of death. It may seem right to us. The majority may think it seems right to them, but that doesn't make it right. Again, that's why we see abortion. That's why we see homosexuality. That's why we see parents doing this to their children. Because that's what seems right to us. That's what seems right to us, is what they say. That's what the majority is. Now, the final argument that Satan uses, he casts doubt on God himself. I think many people become atheists. They become a non-believer. They, they believe these types of things because maybe something happened in their life and it's caused them to turn against God. Maybe they've had some unpleasant thing happen. Maybe something's going on. I, I've talked to individuals that... Uh, They've had a tragic event, and that just caused them to go farther away from God. There's a lot of different reasons, but that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to question God. 
He wants us to deny his truth, but he also wants us to question God himself. That's what he did with Eve. Now notice in verse 5 of Genesis chapter 3. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see what Satan's implying here? He's implying that God doesn't want the best for you, Eve. He doesn't want the best for you. He's jealous of you. He don't want you to be like him, so he's jealous. So that's why he's keeping this from you. He's not the God you think he is. You think he's caring for you. You think he's protecting you. You think he's providing for you. He's just jealous of you. He don't want you to be like him. So not only question the truth, not only denying the truth, but actually doubting God himself of who he is. Now notice what happens next. Eve's opinion, her opinion, her point of view based on the influence that Satan has given her, now she's got her own point of view. She's got her own opinion of what the standard is, of the standard of what is true. And notice what she does. She saw that the tree was good for food. Let me ask you something. You think she was hungry? I believe she had all the food she wanted to eat. God had provided everything that they needed. She wasn't hungry. But she saw that it was good for food. It saw something that she thought that she wanted. Her opinion is what matters now. Her opinion is a standard now. I don't believe she was hungry, but she saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was pleasing to her eyes. Now, there were all these other fruit, I believe, in the garden just as pleasing. Don't you? God had provided what they needed. She wasn't hungry. I think that the other fruit was just as pleasing. But this fruit has been brought to her attention. This fruit, based on the influence of what Satan did, now she has her own opinion, it's become different. What she thinks of this is different than she thought of before. She knew what the truth was before, now she's coming to her own opinion of what truth is. And she saw that it was pleasing and desirable to attain wisdom. A wisdom that God would deny her, she thought. That Satan has convinced her. This is a wisdom that God is denying you. How dare you deny me of what is rightfully mine? I'm entitled to this. I want this, and if I want this, then this is what I should have because you can't tell me what my activity is morally wrong or not. You can't decide for me what's good for me or what's not good for me. You can't decide what I do or don't do. I decide that for myself. Again, when you take God out of the equation, the only other God is yourself. But see, that's what they think. They think it's them, but it's not ourselves. It's the majority around us that are influencing us. We didn't come up with this on our own. He didn't come up with this on her own. It's blind leading the blind, both going to fall in a ditch is what it is. Blindly lead. Oh, it's my truth. When you hear that, that's why I just cringe. I, I think of that like I hear people say, you've heard me say, I, you know, people say I give 101% or 110%. That, that's my pet peeve. I, I can't, and I, but I, I can't stand this about as much. Because people say, this is what my truth is. This is what my truth. No, it's not. It's ridiculous. One, it's not your truth. Truth is, comes from God. But the truth you're trying to say is your truth is actually the truth of a majority of people that's living the way that you want to live immorally to start with. You're just conforming to what they're doing and just don't want to admit it. And that's all that it is. But again, that's what it's become. So how do we deal 
with these challenges of Satan. Know what truth is. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free of what? Free of all this nonsense. If we truly know what truth is and take that absolute truth and know that there is a moral law, it's not based on circumstances, then I won't get caught up in all this absurdity that we see around us. But it has to start with us. We are a reflection of that light. We are a reflection of the truth. We walk in that light, and that light is truth. And that truth is what's shown out into a world of darkness. Are we showing that truth? Are we letting that light shine, that light of truth, to a world that's in darkness, <coughs> doing all of these things? Time we stand up and do it. Because we think, you know, I used to think, I used to not pay attention to things like this. I'll be honest. I used to not pay attention because to me, that's California. That's New York. That's, that's these, these kind of cities. That's just, let them have it. Let them have at it. You know, that, that's fine with me. There's things going on right here in our state, right here in our communities. It, it, it's not something that's far away from us. It's here. It's here, this, this deciding what truly is truth. Well, friends, God's already told us what truth is. We either follow it or we don't. We don't need to question it. We don't need to deny it. We need to accept it. And the truth is, He says, if you will follow me, you'll have a home in eternity. And He tells me those moral laws to follow. I ask you today, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do what God says to become a child of His, or do you think it's got to be your own way? Or what other people say? You know, as Pilate says, what is truth? This is truth. Thy word is truth, he says. His word said to believe it, have faith in it, repent of our sins, change, say, I've not been living the way that I should. I'm going to change and live something different, and I need those sins washed away by being immersed and water and rise to walk in newness of life. Acts 2, 38, Acts 22, and verse 16. And walk in the light as He is in that, that light of His truth that's going to lead us to everlasting home with Him. Maybe you've done those things, but maybe you strayed away. Maybe Satan, the ruler of this world, has got you thinking differently about truth, thinking differently about the things that are around you. You've let the influences of the world into your life. You can come back to Him. You can come back to the truth. That, that, that's the good thing about this truth. You can come back to it. It's not going to bend to you. It's not going to bend to me. It's not going to curve over to where I'm at. I have to go to it because it's absolute. Are you willing to come to that truth today?